And as you came through the lobby this morning, I hope that you saw the pile of books. They are, they are a gift from World Vision. It's a thank you from Richard Stearns, their president, as well as from the organization, thanking Applewood for being a support in the In the Margins experience that's coming to Golden this week. Uh, Golden High School, where they are going to park an 85,000-pound truck, and that truck is going to turn into an interactive opportunity for folks to come to. It'll take 20 minutes for a tour through that interactive experience, and it'll be a life-challenging 20 minutes. I hope that many of you are planning to be a part of that. You're going to have the opportunity to witness despair and hope in a brothel in Southeast Asia. You'll see how God is working in the midst of the Syrian refugee crisis, which is not something that we hear on the news these days. And also, join with Jesus in the midst of extreme poverty in Africa. So plan, Appwood family, guests of Appwood, plan to attend. There are lots of cards that are on the table with the books. Feel free to grab a handful of those and just pass those out to your neighbors, friends, family. The, uh, the goal is to just expose people to these um, experiences so that they can come away with uh, more information and perhaps with a greater heart for what God is doing. World Vision is one of many organizations concerned about people around the world who live in what are often referred to as the margins of their societies. People in the margins exist in what World Vision and and other organizations refer to as fragile states because they're considered ground zero for extreme poverty. They speak of fragile states as broken places where governments aren't able to provide basic services and support to their populations, especially the poor. People in these places can't depend on public institutions for education, health, clean water. Fragile states also lack resilience. And that means that it's, it's hard for these countries to bounce back from disaster, conflict, economic crisis, social upset. The government lacks legitimacy and accountability, and there needs to be greater responsiveness to community needs and concerns, especially for children and women in these countries. World Vision shares some facts about children who are living in fragile states. They account for 77% of the world's children who are not in school. They count for 70% of the world's infant deaths. They account for 65% of the world's children who lack clean water. And they account for 60% of the world's children who are malnourished. And the the, the marginalized people of the world are extremely impoverished. And the women and children are the most vulnerable of them all. Rachel, can we play that? That quick clip from World Vision, or World Vision, excuse me. Some of you in the Applewood family have met and, and know quite well our Ecuadorian friends, Henry and Olga. Many of you have been involved in some of our Ecuador mission trips over the years. Henry and Olga and their boys were in town for just a few days this past weekend, and, and I had the chance to ask Henry, uh, how are the continued relief efforts going? in Ecuador, where you remember the 7.8 earthquake struck Ecuador in April. Hundreds of people were killed, 
thousands of people were injured. And I was especially interested in, in wanting to know about the assistance efforts of the U.S. Evangelical Covenant Church and, and how that was going in partnership with the Ecuadorian Evangelical Covenant Church. <clears throat> and Henry said that it had been very good, but that there is a fear among the people because there is such devastation and there is such need. He said there's a fear among many of the Ecuadorian people that the world will move on and they will be forgotten. And I think that is the mindset of many people in our world who live in the margins. Their, their lives, they, they, they live under the, the radar of the rest of the world with resources and they are forgotten as if, as if they don't exist. And I've chosen for our text this morning in light of the World Vision in the Margins experience, a, a story from Luke's Gospel. It's in chapter 17. It'll be a familiar story for many of us. I was praying about what to, to preach on this week as uh, I anticipated the In the Margins experience coming and, and many of us participating in that. And I felt like the Spirit reminded me of this story in Luke's Gospel. It's a story about margins and people living in those margins. And, and it's a story that I always associate with gratitude, and I think probably those of you who know the story think that same thing. And, and it is. It is a story about the importance of gratitude. But as I thought more about it, it, it struck me that, that what it teaches us about Jesus is so important and how it challenges those of us who are his followers, it is equally important for that reason as well. So let's stand together, and we're going to read this story from Luke chapter 17. Together. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for us. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. The importance of gratitude jumps right out at us, I think, in that story. Jesus wondering about the gratitude of his own people, the Jews. Luke highlighting for us that the one who expressed gratitude was the one who was looked down upon by 
the Jews. Powerful dynamics at work there. And yet, I'm struck with something else that 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 story frames for us. Luke tells us that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. That's an important statement. We've talked before about the historical animosity that existed between Jews and Samaritans. There was no love lost between those two groups. There had been disgust and hatred for centuries by the time Jesus came on the scene. And we also know, surprise, surprise, that Jesus didn't play by the social norms, by the rules of the day in terms of how people were supposed to act or not act with one another. So when it was expected that Jews and Samaritans would avoid each other at any cost, and they did, oftentimes a Jew would travel around Samaria in order to get to another place in Palestine rather than go through Samaria, which would have been the shortest distance. When it came to those kinds of things, Jesus didn't play those games. Jesus often went through Samaria. There's another story in John's Gospel, chapter 4. You remember the story of the woman at the well. She was at the well of Sychar. That was in Samaria. And she was, you recall the story, surprised that Jesus, a Jew, would be in Samaria not only wondering what on earth is this man doing here in Samaria because he hates us and we hate them, but Jesus also initiates a conversation with this woman, something that a respectable Jewish man would never do in a public setting is initiate a conversation with a woman other than his wife. And a Samaritan woman? wouldn't even acknowledge the existence of that person. And not only did he initiate the conversation with her, but he asked for a drink of water. And guess what? He didn't have anything to drink out of. Which meant he was going to have to drink water served up by her from her Samaritan bucket or her Samaritan cup. Jesus didn't play by the social norm, rules of the day. He was not afraid to embrace the Samaritans. He was not afraid to embrace those who were different, those who were unacceptable. But here in Luke's story, Jesus is not in Galilee or in Samaria. He's traveling along the border. It's interesting. We don't really know exactly what to do with that. What what constitutes a border? You know, you can be sure that both the Jews and the Samaritans had, had marked out a border that somehow was permissible for them to to travel along, if you will, that that somehow didn't pollute them by being in the other's 
country. Jesus is traveling along the border. He's not in Galilee and he's not in Samaria. So, here is your duh question of the morning. Okay? Why was Jesus traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee? Hey, now there's a question you hadn't thought of, right? Ask your neighbor. Why do you think Jesus was? It's probably self-evident based on what we read. But just ask your neighbor. Why do you think Jesus was traveling along the border? He wasn't afraid to be in Samaria. He certainly was a Jew and could be in Galilee easily. Why was he on the border? See what your neighbor thinks. Okay. You want to report what your neighbor said? What do you think? What was Jesus doing on the border? Donna, what do you think? A God-appointed assignment. Now that is a very spiritual response, Donna. (laughs) Which we know Jesus was all about. All about the assignments from his father, for sure. What else? Why was he there? I think you might be onto something there. It was in the margins. What else? Any other comments? Thoughts? And isn't it interesting that, that the folks that he met, there was at least one Samaritan in that group. The rest were Jews. They came together as a group. Was he in the margins? Oh, Cheryl, go ahead. You wanted to add something, please. Yes, he was. He was on his way to his death, and what was he thinking? What was he anticipating? I, yeah, what was, what was there in this for, for his followers to, uh, to learn? The margins. In Jesus' day, that's where the lepers lived. The lepers lived in the margins. The lepers lived out away from the healthy, normal, respectable crowd. The lepers were the outcasts of their countries, of their people. They were the truly marginalized people of Jesus' day. People who were forgotten. People who many wish did not exist. Leprosy was such a dreaded and feared disease in those days. They were exiled to live in places away from others, and they were dependent upon the kindness of others to bring them food and supplies. The borderlands were where often the leper colonies were found. And if a leper ever journeyed into town, perished the thought, or got close enough to town, they were supposed to announce their presence with unclean, unclean, unclean. To let people know they were lepers. Now, to be unclean has a pretty powerful significance 
in the Jewish history. Something was declared ceremonially unclean by the priests. It meant that that particular item was not approved to be in the presence of God. And so a leper comes near to people without leprosy and proclaims to them, unclean, I am unclean, I am unclean. What is that leper saying to them? I have been declared unclean by the priest of the people and I do not count in the presence of God. Talk about a label. Don't come near me. I'm unapproved by God. They were separated from the life of the people of God because of their condition. What does that do to a person mentally and emotionally? What goes on in their lives when that sort of of stereotypical reinforcement is happening over and over and over again. And did you notice that when these lepers cried out to Jesus, Luke tells us that they stood out, they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice. You see, they had learned their place. They were conditioned to think as marginalized people with very little or no hope at all. Now, don't miss the significance of what Jesus did next. He healed them. Duh. But that's not what the text says. What it says is this. Jesus announced to them when they cried out to him from a distance, and I guess I'm imagining Jesus closing the gap and getting closer to them, when he says to them, go show yourselves to the priests. What's that about? According to the law, Law of Moses, Leviticus 13 and 14, those who had been declared as unclean and separated from the people of God due to a disease, if they, for whatever reason, got well and they believed themselves to be cured, they had to go back to the priest who declared them unclean so that the priest could sign off on a clean bill of health. Otherwise, they couldn't live as if they had been healed. I thought of this week, I thought it's, it's kinda, it was kind of like a driver's license for lepers. You know, if, if you have a license in our society, you get to take your car on the road where everyone else is driving. Some people do that with or without a license. In, in that day, to be, declared, to be declared clean by the priest was to be given your license to have your life back. Does that make sense? And so they had to have some kind of, 
of proof, some kind of declaration from the priest that in fact they were cured of their disease. And if they weren't, then it doesn't matter what you think of yourself, you don't belong with the rest of the crowd. You continue to live out the life that you are destined to live with your disease, even if it is cured. But to be, cl- to, to be declared clean by the priest meant that this person could go back to their family. They could go back to their spouse and hug the person that they have longed to hug for who knows how long. To spend time with their children and love on their children who they haven't been with for as long as they've had the disease. They're free to to roam about the marketplace and to mix it up with other people. They're free to apply for a job. Jesus healed these lepers. But what he really did was give them their lives back. He recognized and he affirmed their humanity. He saw in those lepers the image of God that every human is created in. Marred and scarred and torn by the disease of leprosy, Jesus healed them, and gave them their lives back. Brothers and sisters, that that is what World Vision is seeking to do in the work that they do around the world. Many organizations work with folks who, who live in the margins. World Vision wants to give marginalized people life, both socially and spiritually. So let me just say again at the risk of being obnoxious this morning, which of course I never am, you know that, I hope that you will make some time to go to this event this week. You can go to World Vision's website. You can go to the Together Church of Golden. You can, you can reread my emails that I've sent to you the last couple of weeks to get the, uh, the times. It's going to be Thursday through Sunday. An opportunity to go and to, to learn more. I think it's important for, for a couple of reasons. First, it's obviously important to those who live in the margins. Because I said a moment ago, for those who live there, they're created in the image of our God. And they are loved by Him. Jesus knew that. We as followers of Jesus, we know that. And we also need to live that. Created in the image of God and loved by Him. And, and as such, those who live in the margins in this world of ours, they deserve the things that many of us simply take for granted in the life that we live. Clean water. 
I've told many of you the story of, of the well in the village of Sarai, Senegal. I've never seen anything like that. You know, we need water on our house and we go to a faucet and we turn it on. But the folks who are living in that far little corner of Senegal, in the margin kinds of folks, had been the blessed recipient of a World Vision deep water well. It had been installed, I think, just a couple of years before we got there. And the transformation of their lives, the health of their children, the ability to to water crops, all coming from this deep water well. But more significant in my memory than those things was the joy and the laughter and the fun that was had around that well. It got especially fun when we American males decided that we needed to learn how to carry water on our heads. Like the women, yes, the women, sorry ladies, that's, that's their place in that society, like the women did on their heads. I'm not sure that those women have ever laughed so hard in their lives at those of us who were trying to carry these containers on our head and just dousing ourselves with water, which was a real plus because one of the days it was about 130 degrees. But the icing on the cake was when one of the local imams living in the Muslim village was not to be outdone by these goofy American males. And he showed up at the well to carry water on his head. That had never happened. Just the, the life that spun out of that well and that fresh water was just remarkable to both witness and, and share in during the days that we were there. People in the margins deserve to have clean water. They deserve to have enough food to eat. They, they deserve shelter and medical care. Children. Children deserve to have a chance to be children. To live in safe places and to laugh and to be silly and goofy and to be cared for, not used by people who love them. Mother Teresa once said that the biggest disease today is not leprosy or cancer. It's the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, the feeling of being deserted and alone. So being people who are concerned about the margins and the people who live there is important to those who live there, obviously. But I think it's also important for us as the people of God. I, and I think this is, this is our takeaway lesson for this morning. Let's, let's use it as we prepare to receive communion. We've already noted that Jesus 
was purposeful about traveling in the margins, giving himself to those who, who lived there, he, he knew that those lepers were out there in the border regions. Just like he knew that that Samaritan woman was going to be at that well in Sychar. He knew there were those who were, who were outcast in their society, and he knew that the love of his father extended to where they lived. Because that is why he came. And so here's our lesson. Simple. At least in word. The followers of Jesus, those of us who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus, must be intentional to learn about those who live in the margins of the world. Because to learn about those who are living in the margins of the world, and we have them around us in our country as well, when we learn about those in the margins, and we do it because we are wanting to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, God then has a way of taking what we know and making us miserable with it which is precisely why I don't want to know. Because when I know, then something begins to stir inside of me and I'm uncomfortable with just knowing and not responding. Does that make sense? Can you relate to that? A couple of Sundays back, we we finished up a series in the first 12 chapters of Acts, and we learned in those chapters that the Spirit of God that Jesus sent upon his followers and that he continues to send upon all of those who follow him even today, 2,000 years later, the purpose of that Spirit is to empower his followers to die to themselves in order to be his witnesses in the world. That means that those who follow Jesus live out his mission. And we heard in that first chapter of Acts that his mission was for them to go and to speak the good news about Jesus and to live out the good news about Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And when you hear ends of the earth, think margins. Those, those faraway places, those, those spooky places, those places that are, are full of people who are very different than we are. And sometimes far away can be as close as the homeless who live in Jefferson County in Denver. And that's the problem with the margins. They're filled with messes. They're filled with brokenness. They're filled with pain. And they're hopeless places. Many of them are just utterly hopeless places. (laughs) Until Jesus arrives. And guess how he arrives? In those who bear his name. Those who claim to be his followers. As the World Vision clip 
said earlier, the stories that you encounter in their experience will make you uncomfortable. You'll see things that you don't want to see. You'll be challenged to change the way you view the world. The video also said, but Jesus is with you. Because Jesus is the light in the darkness. My brothers and sisters, I don't think that as the people of God, followers of Jesus, we have an option to ignore the margins of the world. That doesn't mean that we're all going to do the same thing. It doesn't mean that we're all going to be as involved as the next person. But to ignore the margins of the world is simply not an option because we follow a Messiah. Those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, we follow a Messiah of the margins. And to not follow him into those margins is to be claiming followership to someone other than who Jesus really was in the life that he lived on this earth. And so I want to challenge you this morning to learn about the margins. Did I mention an event that's coming to Golden this week? I think I did, didn't I? The truck that's going to be in the Golden Park? Yeah, I guess maybe I said something about that. Now, there would be a learning experience. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Now, I can't account for the line that's going to be there. But the experience itself, 20 minutes. Great opportunity to follow Jesus into the margins and learn more about three specific margins in our world. Did you know that some modern sociologists feel that what is going on in Syria today will be the Holocaust of this generation. We need to know. We need to be praying. We need to be involved. Somehow, some way, followers of Jesus need to follow him into the margin that is Syria. That's just one place. You know, there's another way to learn about the margins. Did I mention the free books that are on the table out here? Yeah, I guess maybe I did. You know, of all the things I've lost in life, I miss my mind the most, and so I keep forgetting these things, but grab one of those books. They're free. Richard Stearns writes about the unfinished work that Jesus left for us as his followers. And, you know, World Vision's not the only organization. They're a great organization, but there are plenty. You know, our denomination does a lot of work with world relief. You could just go to type in Covenant World Relief and find out. What's going on around the world in Covenant World Relief? Check out Voice of the Martyrs, one of my favorite organizations in the world. We need to learn about the margins. We can learn by by reading. We can learn by listening. We can learn by watching. We can learn by going and doing. I think that there is a statement, and forgive me for how outrageous this sounds, 
There's a statement that ought never to cross the lips of God's people, and that is, oh, I could never do that. There was a prophet in the Old Testament named Jonah. He thought that. It was a fishy story. I could never do that. No, you could. I could. At the very least, we learn about the margins and we we learn about what God is doing in those places and touching the lives of the people that he loves and, and, and changing some of their circumstances. And we begin to find that if we are open and if we are willing, that the Spirit of God begins to sort of nudge us and work in our hearts. And we begin to think in terms of, wow, maybe I could be a part of something like that. Short term, long term. We can give of our finances. A few dollars a month goes so far. We could skip Starbucks for a week and send a good chunk of money to folks who are working with those in the margins. We could pray. We could ask the Spirit how we might get more involved with people in the margins. The margins are a horrible place to live. Many do. Many, many are children and women who need to know the presence of Jesus. And they'll know that through those who are his followers, the lives they live, the sacrifices that they make, the way that they give themselves through the power of the Spirit. Let's be people who give attention to the margins. Give attention to the margins and the people who live there and sacrifice as the Spirit leads to make a difference in the lives of those who are there.